We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in to the LakersNation.com podcast. I am Trevor Lane. You can find me over on X at Trevor underscore Lane on Instagram and threads at Trevor Lane NBA as well as Facebook. We're still doing that. But lots to talk about tonight. Here we are into September. We're getting into almost training camp time. Just a few weeks away, getting closer and closer. In fact, as we're recording this, 32 days. That's right. We're Magic Johnson away from preseason. The Lakers are almost back on the floor. I can't wait. I can't wait. Now, we've got a lot to talk about on this show. We're going to get into which Lakers could exceed expectations this season, who is going to be most likely to do that. We'll talk a little bit about the development of Rui Hachimura, who is uh, already putting out even more images of himself working out with Phil Handy, which has got to get people excited. And then we've also got the mailbag to open up. So plenty of things to talk about. Joining me is Sean Spaces Davis. Sleepy Sean Davis. How you doing, Sean? I'm doing all right, guys. How we doing tonight? Uh, appreciate everybody hopping in here. And you guys are all real ones for, for hopping in on uh, September 4th live stream. Uh, we are, like you said, Magic Johnson away from Lakers basketball. Uh, being back so super super excited to uh, dive into this one with you guys and look it's a good thing there's your mic yeah i was gonna say it's a good thing it is an early september show here because i am off my game i i completely had the start of the show on the wrong mic so now i fixed that now i fixed there we go thank you thank you chat for letting me know i am in preseason form as well i've got to get i've got to get myself uh into game shape as quickly as I possibly can. Uh, Sean, I want to start out with this. So looking at the Lakers this season, looking at the roster and its totality, which Laker do you think is most likely to exceed their expectations? Well, who do you think will, will exceed expectations? Ooh, that's a tough one. Right? Hmm. Chat, chat, let us know. Uh, Okay, while you think, because this is, I did not tell you, but I wanted to kind of surprise you with this topic. But um, while you think about it, I'm going to steal your pick, I guess. 
Max Christie. I'm going to go with with Max Christie as the guy I never that could of Max. that could that could exceed expectations. Now I'm a little bit worried that summer league may have bumped up expectations a little bit too high, yeah. but not everybody watches summer league. So I have a feeling that a lot of Lakers fans who come in the start of the season, not you guys who are watching right now and listening right now, here we are September 4th as we're, as we're recording this, you guys are, are the real ones. You're sticking through the, uh, the dog days of the, of the off season, but those that are coming in right at the beginning of the season, they're going to see Max Christie get minutes. They're going to be like, wait a minute. This guy's getting minutes out of this guy was a, a garbage time player last season for the Lakers. This year, I think he's going to get a real opportunity. I'm expecting probably an average of around 15 minutes or so for Max Christie. And I think he can play a real role for this team. And so I think the expectations for him from most fans are fairly low. And I think he's going to be able to exceed those expectations and be a consistent role player for this team. See, yeah, Max. Max Christie's expectations for me were already pretty high. So I was like, I wasn't going to pick Max. So you took a pick that it was fair never enough, really fair enough. in consideration. Uh, for me, it's one of two players. It's Jared Vanderbilt or it's Jackson Hayes. Um, mm. be- because I think those are two players, especially Jackson Hayes. I think amongst the fan base, his expectations are kind of low. Um, and with, whereas why, why I didn't pick Cam Rush? Because I think, Cam Rush's expectations are a little bit higher than for my liking amongst the fan base, but Vanderbilt it's because like he has the most room to grow. I think out of any player on the roster. Yeah. I think that's actually like pretty solid. Like, cause like I mentioned, he can still get better defensively. The three point shot. We already know the finishing some other stuff offensively. Mm-hmm. He has the most room to grow out of any Laker player. Um, so, yeah, I think it's either Jackson Hayes or it's Jared Vanderbilt, personally. That's fair. And, you know, I think I think Jared Vanderbilt, too, has the clearest path towards growth, right? Like, we know exactly what it is Jared Vanderbilt needs to do, where he needs to improve his game. Hit a few more corner threes, get a little better finishing at the rim. He does those two things, and he becomes a way more valuable player than even what we saw last season because and he's already... Navigate. What's that? And screen and navigate. Screen yes, navigate. but he's already a really good defender, right? So if he can check just a few of those boxes, even just to a minor degree, he could be really, really good for the Lakers this season. So I think that's a good pick as well. Jackson Hayes, I kind of wonder, like, given the Lakers roster right now, we know another big is coming. We don't know who it's going to be. In fact, in the mailbag, probably one out of every three questions was when are the Lakers going to sign another center? We know another center is coming. Um, it's just a matter of time. But but Jackson Hayes is probably going to be better than whoever it is that they sign, right? Like at this unless stage, it's Christian Wood. unless it's Christian Wood, right? Unless it's Christian Wood, but whoever they sign is probably not going to be of the same quality of, of Jackson Hayes unless it's Christian Wood. And so I think he is going to be pushed into a fairly large role right away, particularly if what Rob, what Rob Plank has said about playing Jackson Hayes and AD together is real. He's yeah. going to have a bigger role, I think, than than what we're than what a lot of people would expect. And so that could give him opportunity to exceed expectations. Well, uh, I'm gonna break some news here on the LakersNation.com podcast. Um, 
to answer the question about when the Lakers are going to sign uh, that 14th roster spot, it's definitely going to be when Trevor Lane's on vacation. <laughs> that is going to happen for a moment there. So when you said, I'm going to break some news, I clicked over. I had the breaking news drop ready <laughs> to go. I'm ready, like, ready. we are going to get to use it. Yes. But no, it no, was just, it was just Sean feeding my fears that as soon, as soon as I am off the clock, as soon as I've left my watch, the minute the, uh, all hell is going to break loose in the NBA I, world, but, but that's okay. It would help. It would help me a ton if you just said, hey, I'm leaving now. Okay, cool. I'm on red alert for the next like <laughs> hour. Something's going to happen. It happened with the Pat Bev trade last year. It was like That's, as soon, did. but it definitely happened. Yeah. It did. It did. <laughs> TK, Sean, you just Euro-stepped me. Just right, yeah, a, right around. Right. Went, went right around me. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, you know, Sean, one of the other things that, that we needed to talk about, because I – look. Exceeding expectations. I think we could say something positive about each player, but I like your picks. I like my pick with Max Christie. One of the guys we got to talk about, though, it's Rui Hachimura. Did you see there's more pictures out now of him working with Phil Handy? Yeah, I actually just saw it. Let's go to pass my feed on uh, before we hopped on. Like, can just give me all of the Jared Vanderbilt and Rui Hachimura working with Phil Handy. I mean, look, Rui already credited Phil Handy for improving his game last season when he became a Laker for improving yeah. his shot, which, by the way, again, crazy stuff. I'm going to keep saying it as long as I can. Rui Hachimura is the NBA's all-time leader in, in playoff three-point percentage. Somehow that's a real thing. but Insane. Absolutely. But what do you expect to see from Rui this season in terms of development? Because he's he's young enough to where we could see it's not like he's 31, 32, or anything. He's 25. Right. We could see real significant growth in his game compared to last season. Rui is a lot tougher. <laughs> we got a uh, car real to jokes in the chat. Um, <laughs> Rui is a lot tougher to evaluate their projected growth than honestly any other guy on the roster so it's kind of like the opposite be with ruby and with vando because like trevor outlined a few moments ago vando is the most clear cut okay xyz is what he needs to get better at Mm -hmm. and if he does those things like that there's his growth ruby it's like there's only like a few things and it's like real minuscule in my eyes like art says here like this is role change that's one like the only big thing that i'm like how does Ruby get better? What I mean by that is Ruby right now, he's a really good shot maker, really good shot creator. Um, not the most like quick twitchy athletic guy, but he's super, mm-hmm. or he was, we'll see how this goes in the next year, but uh, super, super physical. They could post you up or whatever, but unless you're giving Ruby a more advanced on ball role, which I don't think they are because you have LeBron, AD, Austin, D'Lo, Gate. Like, there's just too many guys that are going to have significant all-ball touches. So that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, like, what are we like, – like, how much better can Rui get outside of just being against more efficient? But he was <laughs> – to expect that playoff, you know, efficiency to continue is kind of crazy. But I think if you can get, you know, 16 points per game out of Rui, 
solid defense and improved defense. Um, that is something I actually do hope to see from Rui next year is that him leaning up allows him to gain more lateral quickness. Cause then I think that I have a lot less defensive questions about Rui Atchamora next year then, because I think he can, you know, handle some of the quicker forwards that could blow by him. But I don't know, man, like without looking at some of the advanced analytics of the film, I'm just sitting here. I'm like, what much more can Rui really get better at to improve his ceiling? Well, you know, I think, and I'm pulling up right now, uh, here's cleaning the glass. For anybody who hasn't checked out cleaning the glass before, this is what one of their basic pages looks like. And I like the way that they color code everything. Cleaning but the glass is awesome, by the way. It, Quick it really is. They do, they do a fantastic, fantastic job. Um, but what really jumps out, and this is what I think can improve. Now, when we think about playoff Rui, that's a different thing. Different it's like, it's, it's like... God, it really is like playoff Rondo, isn't it? Like it's, it's night and crazy. day, right? Because you look at this, you look at what Rui did for the Lakers during the season. And what I see, what these numbers tell me is the Rui that we saw during the regular season with the Lakers, the guy who even got benched for a game, that was an outlier. 26th percentile at the rim. That's how poor of a finisher he was after being in the 89th percentile for the Wizards. Same season. Same season, played 30 games for the Wizards, 33 games for the Lakers. From the 89th percentile to the 26th percentile, that's how much his rim finishing dropped off. That's not going to continue, right? That's that's not going to continue to happen. He's a better finisher at the rim than that, so I think he can get more efficient there. The corner three, he went from being in the 68th percentile on corner threes to the second percentile. He shot 23% on corner threes. I would imagine for most NBA players, it would be difficult to shoot 23% on open corner threes if they were shooting with their offhand. Right? I mean, that's that's so much of an outlier. I think that number is going to normalize as well. So I don't think we're going to see playoff efficiency, Rui, but we're going to see a better Rui than we saw during the regular season last year. We're going to see a more efficient Rui on the offensive end of the floor. And then you add that he's clearly lost weight. He clearly is going to be lighter, still going to be 6'8", still going to have that 7'2 wingspan. But I think we may see a more mobile Rui Hachimura on the defensive end of the floor that can still use that long wingspan to help you out a little bit on the glass and give you that size out there and and all of that. So I think we, we get a more efficient Rui Hachimura on the offensive end compared to what we saw during the regular season, he's not going to hit playoff Rui, but compared to what we saw during the regular season, we'll get a more efficient Rui Hachimura. And then defensively, I think we're going to see a guy that is using that wingspan a bit more in the passing lanes, is a bit more of a threat to contest on the perimeter than we saw even last season. That's what I'm expecting in terms of, of Rui's growth this season. And that's where I think Phil Handy is going to continue to develop him into the his you know final form Rui Hachimura the player that I think he's eventually going to be when he hits you know 27 28 and he's still under contract with the Lakers the final boss version of Rui Hachimura right. <laughs> can't the wait to see Rui next of, year he really he really is going to be a, I think a, I, a difference maker for the Lakers I just want to see how the the weight loss affects him either way like mm-hmm. there's one area where I'm like somewhat not even pessimistic, but like I'm, I'm definitely like on the fence about it's like how much 
does this affect his post game? I still think like he's six eight with a seven two wingspan, so I still think he'll be fine. And I'm also on the fence with like his help side rim protection because last year, uh, if you look at some of the advanced metrics, Ruby Achimura saves 0.64 points, rim points per 75 possessions, which ranks in the 98th percentile, mm-hmm. uh, especially in terms of like people, players with his particular role. If that's the case that I can continue, I think you could see Rui maybe more as a helper or maybe some other roles defensively. But I think one way he'll definitely help is he'll like the lateral quickness, I think could be able to get to the rim a little bit better uh, where like the rim shot creation definitely doesn't grade out. Well, I, just had it pulled up. Yeah, 35th percentile in terms like rim shot creation, mm-hmm. um, which, again, is not great. Um, and I think it'll be able to allow him to stay in front a lot better defensively. So I'm just really, really curious. And I guess that's in a good way, though. I'm not nervous. I think we know who Rui is. But uh, those are like kind of the, the big things that are definitely worth noting. And quick question from the chat says, do you guys have any data on Rui's lateral mobility? No, because you can't really like grade lateral mobility. It's just more so um, like just watching film or the eye test or whatever. It's kind of hard to grade that. You get that data out of the combine. Um, they'll do, ah, yeah, they'll do some shuttle runs and things of that nature. And if he ran it, you'll get that. But again, we're far enough removed from there where yeah, that's that like five not years really, ago. Yeah, it's not relevant for Rui anymore at this point. Um, there is tracking data though that can tell us like how far a player runs during the se- during the game and things like that. But in terms of that's quickness, really it's helpful. it's yeah, yeah, that doesn't it's mostly eye test at this point. Um, Josh Crockett, who I believe is in the Lakers Nation listener league for uh for fantasy. Yeah, he's football. the uh, he's the Chargers fan. He's yeah. not the uh is it B.I. Russell that sniped me like four times? Yeah, I believe I'm so. Definitely gonna try to beat that guy, if nothing else. <laughs> Uh, he says Rui is my sixth man of the year prediction. So he sees Rui coming off the bench, which he might. Possible. He might. He might. He might. All right. Mamba mentality said if it really took one game for people to turn on Austin Reeves, then what do people think on Brandon Ingram, who's been bad all World Cup long? Ingram is the 15th man off the bench type player. Haters need to stop. That's the part of that is the perils of being a Laker. You see what Austin Brothers said? What did he say? Oh, the thing about people had people had the anti-Austin tweets loaded in the drafts, just waiting for a bad game, something like that. Yeah, they yeah. And like we said on a recent video, the last pod, they've been they've had that tweet saved since like February. Mm-hmm. <laughs> been a minute. Well, I've seen most people say, "Well, we're not um, upset. We're not." Uh, you know, we don't hate Austin Reeves. We hate the attention that he gets. Okay. Of course he's going to get a, t- like, Lake, there's a ton of Lakers fans out there, right? So, of course, he's going to get attention. He's the one Laker who's playing right now, and he's a player that Lakers fans should be excited about. So, of course, he's going to get attention right now. It's crazy. But, but, so- go ahead. I was just going to say, keep that same energy. And when Anthony Edwards has a bad game, let's make sure we crap on Anthony Edwards for no reason. Because well, he's he, getting a ton of attention right now from the national media. So, yeah, let's make sure we crap on Ant. But, but that's the, the thing, though, right? Like, if Anthony Edwards has one bad game, we say it's one bad game. Same thing with Austin Reeves. These guys have been great. These guys have been great. And yet, we're in just, we've normalized extremes 
Yeah. So that you have to be in one camp. The Austin Reeves is bad or Austin Reeves is good. And anytime you get anything that supports your central thesis that he's a say a bad basketball player, you take this Lithuania game and you run run around and you show it to everybody. See, I'm right. See, I'm right. Oh, don't pay attention to the 50 other good games that he had. See, I'm right. He had one bad game. I mean, it's yeah. just crazy. And it takes away from, I think, honest analysis. Yeah. I, I, I want to respond. I'm going to go into like a 10-minute rant so we can move on about the honest <laughs> analysis fine. piece. Uh, what, what about Brandon Ingram, though? Like, he has struggled. But I don't – and I guess maybe this is me. I don't look at Brandon Ingram struggling to fit in with the World Cup team and think, oh, this this means – that Brandon Ingram's going to have a terrible season. No, no, FIBA basketball is very different than NBA basketball. Brandon Ingram's role with this team is different, and he's struggling to fit in. That's going to happen. That It's going to happen for somebody with this team this season. It's been Brandon Ingram. Is it ideal? No. But I don't suddenly think way less of Brandon Ingram as a basketball player. It's something to consider, but I don't look at this and say, well, that's it. Brandon Ingram's done for see he's he's trash as a basketball player no i i don't think it, it's anything to be overly concerned about with bi i just think that it does expose some of the flaws with bi but like that's all this really is to me like the the stuff with bi in particular we kind of already knew this like none of this is surprising to me with like mm-hmm. some of the bi struggles i'm still just as high as i am on bi and like i like Brandon Ingram a ton. So, yeah, I'm not too, too concerned about that, personally. I, I hope he balls out next year. And the point is, why, and Mob Mentality's comment here, why is Ingram not getting such negative backlash? Because he plays for a team that nobody has cared about since Chris Paul was there in 2006 or 8, whatever. That's it. Right, like Zion showing there, got showing up there, got a lot of people's attention, but he's barely played now. Right, I think the Pelicans are actually a really good team when they have everybody healthy. But I think we both had not, him out of the playoffs, the right? We did, we did. But that was and because we don't trust them to be healthy. We don't trust them to stay healthy. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh, we don't trust them to stay healthy. But but that's it. I mean, he's not. If Brandon Ingram was a Laker right now, people would be freaking out. People would be oh, freaking man. out if Brandon Ingram was a Laker and there would be a lot of people running around going, oh, the Lakers spent a number two pick on this guy. You know, there'd be all kinds of stuff. The Lakers are paying this guy how much? This guy has right. a max contract. You'd be hearing all that kind of stuff if he was a Laker. But he's not a Laker. That's what happens. Fun comment. Uh, really good question. Is there any reason the Lakers wouldn't want to test like yearly physicals, lateral, vertical, or just general limit testing to get Laker fans excited? This data will help media analysis and also adds, of course, make it pu- publicly available. The Lakers definitely do that. They just don't make it publicly available. Mm-hmm. Like, that happens. Yeah. And there's, uh, like, we could look at that stuff and we could say, oh, look, this guy's faster than he was before. This guy's slower than he was. Or what did this guy run? Or what did that guy run? Or, or whatever. But that's just not something that historically has been, been made public information. And I could see why players wouldn't want that out there, especially if you're a veteran player who's showing up to training camp saying, hey, I'm going to play my way back into shape. You don't want your stats out there, right? You don't want it out there that, hey, you're running a a step slow or anything because by the time the season starts, you've got yourself back into shape. 
And you don't want to have to deal with that that negative. Like I would imagine, just like we see in the combine, where where players would opt out of certain drills and things like that. I would imagine a lot of the veteran players would just go, "Nah, we're not doing this." Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, what Shaq's forty? <laughs> Shaq's definitely not running a forty. <laughs> I mean, Shaq was pretty quick back in his day, but yeah, he's, he's not going to be. He's not going to be outrunning a lot of people or anything like that. But for his size, Shaq was really quick. Really yeah. quick. Uh, Ree said, I know the money doesn't work, but question for you guys. With the Trey rumors, if we swapped D'Lo for Trey, do we beat Denver? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think yes. the answer is yes. Yeah. I think it's it. I, I think I think if you swapped D'Lo for a regular season D'Lo, the Lakers might have beat Denver. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like D'Lo who shot 40% from three. Like the games were close enough to where that may have, have swung it. I'm not, and by no means am I trying to blame it all on D'Angelo Russell or anything like that. Yeah, I, I'm mostly trying to make the, the point that the Denver series was closer than a lot of people think. Um, yeah. because of the way it, the way it ended and all that. But yeah, look, if you have Trey Young out there and knowing that he's not going to give you a lot defensively, but D'Lo didn't give you a lot defensively either, you have another dynamic playmaker out there, another guy who can score the basketball, who can manufacture points at the free throw line, who presumably is going to shoot better than D'Angelo Russell did. Yeah, I mean, I think they probably could have beat Denver and then maybe we're talking about 18 championship right now. Yeah, the reason I paused is because of the defense, but... uh I'm probably the biggest Trey Young fan or, you know, apologist on the Lakers Nation staff. So, yeah, like, it, it's a yeah. And, I, and I'm not, you know, firmly in Trey Young's corner or anything like that. Like, I, I think he's a very talented player. But even I would say D'Angelo Russell and Trey Young aren't the same tier of player. Oh, yeah. 
they're not no they're chance. not on the same tier. So that's that's where stuff like this is a little problematic. It would be one thing if we said, hey, take if you took this player and replaced him with this player, and they're both the same tier of player, it would be a little more interesting. Hey, if you just like plugged in Jalen Brunson set. or Lamelo Ball, like something yeah, like sure. that. Yes, yeah, great example. Yeah, something something like that would be uh, a little bit more of a question. But such a big tier jump here, it's pretty easy to just say, oh yeah, they you know. They would now, won. to clarify, I don't want Trey Young on this version of the Lakers because I don't think the Lakers need him. Mm-hmm. Post LeBron, sure, why not? But uh, you know, we don't need another heliocentric ball dominant player on this team. Yeah, yeah. As as uh, Tim said, uh, as no to Trey, we have a solid team now. We just need a decent center. Yeah, yeah. I don't think uh, stylistically, like very talented player. But stylistically, I don't think he's a good fit on this current version of the Lakers. D'Lo is not a better playmaker. Knock it off. D'Lo is a better playmaker and fits our team better. I think the second part to that, you could... I didn't even, I didn't even read the second part. The oh second part God. was he fit, D'Lo fits the team better. And I think you could make that argument that he fits the team better. No, without but a doubt, he does. Zelo is a good playmaker, but he never really hit that. Ooh. Like when he came in as a rookie, because he could throw the no look pass and he puts a lot of zip on his on his chest pass and all that. There was a lot of talk about him being kind of becoming kind of a next level playmaker, and he never really did that. Right? He's not. He's not like that guy. Now he can be a good playmaker. I'm not saying he's a bad playmaker. He can be a good playmaker. But he's not a next level, and part of that is he isn't. He doesn't have a great burst. He's not great finishing in the paint. If he had that to his game, teams would be a little more fearful of his ability to get into the paint, and that would create a lot more driving kick opportunities that would open up some of the passing talents that he has. But because of that, because he doesn't have that that ability, I think his playmaking never really got to the level that you know, we kind of hoped it would be when he came into the NBA. I, I am just at a loss for words right now. I, I'll, I'll be quick. D'Angelo Russell is a good, not great, not elite playmaker. Trey Young is amongst the five best playmakers in the NBA by far. It's Trey Young, it's Nikola Jokic, it's Luka Doncic, it's Tyrese Halliburton, and it's still probably LeBron. Those are probably the five best playmakers in the NBA right now um, that are all just next level, see the game completely differently. Like sure. Trey's going to have more turnovers, but just like the volume at what he, the volume of what he's going to create for others and the versatility, they can get these passes off and how he reads these coverages at, at a next level. He is legitimately one of one in terms of playmaking. Like, playmaking talent number one in terms of b-ball index passing versatility 75 percentile passing last one passing or sorry assist points per 75 possessions 23.22 assist points per 75 possessions 99 percentile creates a ton of high value looks as well like he's a top five playmaker in the NBA. when you say when we say trey young what do you think of Oh, some of the I'm sorry, wait, I should I should say not what do you think? What is the the most or the the normal? I'm, I'm hesitant to use the word casual because that's become derogatory, but which shouldn't. But
But what what is most what do most fans think of when you say Trey Young? Foul baiting. Foul baiting, deep three point shots, stuff like that, right? Like we don't so think about the assists as much, even though that's there, but that's not part of his game that we tend to think of as much. And so I think that's part of why people don't classify him as, you know, as that high of a playmaker. He is barbecue chicken on defense. He is very much so. <laughs> they could drop him by lollipop on the carpet. <laughs> All right. Oh, let me, let's get into some of our, uh, our mailbag questions here that were submitted. Some were submitted to my Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. Some were submitted over on X at Trevor underscore lane. Um, a question came in. What stretch five do you think? There was a lot of questions about what center the Lakers are going to sign, of course. But Rye Barnes said, what stretch five do you think still has the possibility of being bought out before training camp, if any? I don't think there is one. Like no. you have to, <laughs> like, I mean, there's Myers Leonard is still out there, but no. he's, he's not a guy who's going to be bought. Out. I don't think teams are going to be buying anybody out right now with the exception of OKC has to cut some guys. Because they still are are above the um, above the maximum in terms of their roster, but a stretch five that's out there to just fall into the Lakers' lap. Oh, Chet, Chet Holmgren, just Chet, just cut right. <laughs> oh, somebody said Mike Muscala. Oh God. Okay, forgive forgive me, but if Mike Muscala got was on the market, I would take Mike Muscala right now. And I know, I know, he's like Lakers. It, it's PTSD, right, for Lakers fans because of the trade and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but he'd actually be a pretty good. Fit. He 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 make he make a ton of sense. Yeah, yeah, I think I think he definitely would. Damian um, Jones, Damian Jones, our old friend, our Your old, old friend, friend. Jones. <laughs> Robert Gonzalez said, "We don't ever, but see, this is what I'm saying. We don't ever mention that man's name on here anymore." <laughs> this is hilarious. Maybe Brooke Lopez of the Bucks signed Costas and Yadis's father. At this point, they're sending all the onto to Kumpos. Um, and this is an interesting question. Uh, E.R. Barry said, who do you think will lead the Lakers in points per game this season? AD. I think it's going to be AD. I mean, the options are what? AD, LeBron, or does, is there somebody else that could? No. Like, who would be the dark horse? Or is it just, there's no question it's going to be one of those two? It's going to be one of those two. Yeah. I tend to agree. It'll be one of those two. Uh, you're saying it's AD. I tend to agree. I think LeBron, we're going to see a concerted effort from LeBron to take a bit more of a backseat playmaking-wise. Although, Sean, you've been touting how good LeBron is off ball. Could we see a much more efficient LeBron this year? Uh, yeah, and I would be... I might even change the answer only with the like reservation that LeBron... He's gonna he might score, he's gonna score around 25 points, but I think we're gonna see it a lot differently in this year. It's not gonna be the or as much of LeBron creating for himself. It's gonna be LeBron, like I've detailed in the past, on off-ball cuts, on stampede cuts, and you know, just 45 cuts in general, and where he is legitimately one of the top five uh off-ball players in the NBA. And the notion that LeBron's a bad off-ball player that's created by the media and not having honest analysis there to make a, a, a complete circle on that story right there <laughs> uh, is BS because he's always been a really good off-ball player. Um, and I'm a believer in LeBron's three-point shooting kind of regressing to the mean in a good way. 
So, yeah, I mean, I think there's a world where LeBron does it more efficiently, therefore kind of reducing the load on his body while still averaging 25 plus. Yeah, I think it definitely could happen. I think it could happen, especially if that three point shot comes back around. Could be really good. LeBron, LeBron a top two cutter uh, in the season league. behind Aaron Gordon. I think even right now, I have to look at the graphic I pulled up. He might already be like the second best cutter in the NBA. Let's see if I can find it, but he's he's already there. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's going to be good at just about anything. But again, the cutting isn't part the part of LeBron's game that we think about. But he's really good at it. He's really good really at it. Uh, our guy Colby on Twitter said rank the eight teams you think make the playoffs in the West and rank them in terms of the hardest matchup for the Lakers. Uh, so we already ranked the teams and we had the Pelicans missing out on even the play-in. If we wanted to just rank the teams, though, in the West. I'll put up the uh, the conferences. Like off the top of your head, what's the what's the most difficult matchup for the Lakers? Uh the most difficult matchup for the Lakers. I'm gonna I'm gonna be different and not say Denver, even though because I feel like that's a cop out. Because uh, it's too easy. It's too easy. Okay, there we go. We got the graphic. Sacramento kind of scares but if you, me. If you weren't worried about it being a cop out, do you think that's the accurate answer? Is Denver? I think it's right now it's still Denver. Yes. Uh, my to. next my next two guesses would actually be Sacramento and the Clippers. And I think that's it in terms of my mm. concerns in the West. Sacramento's just gonna put up all the points. So like <laughs> you're gonna have to guard them and De'Aaron's a beast. Keegan's only gonna get better. They have great shooters, especially after the, their offseason. And then the Clippers, like we just they, they just have great wings that you got to have to try to guard. Um, but, but in theory, do the Lakers now have wings? They do have wings now. I just, I, I want to see it. I just want to see it. I'm in full belief that we can do it. I just want to see it. People are saying Phoenix. I do not. Phoenix does not scare me one bit. They have to show me first. No fear in that Phoenix. They've got team. a lot of talent. They've got, a, I'm not ready to write off Phoenix. They've got no a fear. lot of talent, a lot of talent. Um, they can't guard. <laughs> the The Clippers have been my knee-jerk reaction in years past because the Lakers had no wing depth and the Clippers had all the wing depth. And I was always concerned about, about that matchup-wise. I think this year, the Lakers have the wing depth to deal with that. I, I guess the question, though, becomes, do the Lakers have the center depth at this point? Because the Clippers are going to throw Zubats and Plumlee at you. The Lakers have got, obviously, Anthony, no question, Anthony Davis is on another level compared to both those players. But when AD goes to the bench, can Jackson Hayes hold his own against both those guys? That's very sure. much a, a question mark. Um, other than that, though, I, I, I'm not too worried about that matchup. I, I think the Wolves present some interesting matchups for you. Mm -hmm. um, they uh, they can present some some issues, especially as Anthony Edwards kind of ascends and becomes, you know, grows into his powers. The Thunder present some challenges. Memphis mm. may be the maybe one of the best matchups. But yeah, the worst I think matchup, match I think up. if we're just if we're not worried about trying to take the easy path, I think Denver's the most difficult matchup still. 
Buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you will have. Personally, I'm the shopper, right? I look around a lot of different places trying to make sure I'm getting the best deal, particularly when it's a bigger purchase, which, well, tickets to a sporting event, they usually are. So I shop around to a lot of different places. So game time takes away my stress when I'm shopping for tickets because they offer a lowest price guarantee, which is absolutely phenomenal. So it's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You get images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect. No surprises. You buy tickets in a matter of seconds. And because of that game time guarantee, you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time credits you 110% of the difference. Think about that. That's how convinced game time is that they will offer you the lowest price they offer that guarantee that way you can buy with confidence and avoid that stress the tickets get sent directly to your phone so you don't have to dig through your email or anything like that you get them right to your phone so snag the tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use the code lakers nation for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code Lakers Nation for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Yeah, I think it's Denver. Top three is like Denver. I, I, I just got to see the Clippers personally. Denver, the Clippers, and then like Sacramento. Sacramento I, I think we're fine good. with going. We're fine with Golden State, I think. Like I said, the, the Suns don't phase me at all for the time being this that this could age very poorly but i have to see it first and maybe i'm wrong i doubt it uh memphis i think like trevor said probably one of the better matchups minnesota i can see why you would really you would be nervous about them but there's some particular areas in anthony edwards game that i just need to see like fully develop i'm confident mm-hmm. they can uh they they will you know develop but for the time being i'm gonna you know still not be too too concerned about them uh and then cat and rudy you can just easily scheme them out or not easily but you can scheme them out i feel and then okc is kind of the the wild card yeah in my eyes okc is, is definitely a wild card i think there could be okc is near the top of my league pass list though uh, i can't wait to watch that team play i think they're gonna be a lot of fun um <laughs> TK said, we need a sticky note of Sean's son's stance. Go ahead. Sean has been anti-Suns for a while. You were predicting they were the team that were going to fall out of the playoffs. I think it was last year or year before. Yep. But in my defense, they made the KD trade. So that got wiped out. That that changed. Yes. Everything for that team. No question. That changed a lot of their their trajectory. Um, But they were even good before that, though. But in, in any event. So... When I look at, if I think about where's the Lakers' weaknesses, I think it would be a team that has two hyper-athletic, high-scoring guards could present some challenges. And the irony of that is that that could be Memphis because of John and Des Bain. But I think the Lakers actually deal with them pretty well. 
sure, Dallas could be could be one, but the teams that can exploit D'Angelo Russell defensively can go at Austin Reeves enough to wear him out. I think that's maybe the weak spot defensively for the Lakers in their in their starting lineup. Now, if Jared Vanderbilt is in the starting five, maybe you can mitigate that somewhat. But that's probably the way to to beat the Lakers right now. I don't know that wing depth, given that the Lakers now have Rui, Vando, Torian Prince, Cam Reddish, LeBron, he's kind of good. Max Christie could play on the wing. I think they've got the wing depth needed to deal with some of these uh, these teams that are loaded on the wings. I think of anything now, it's teams that can go at them from the guard positions and maybe exploit that perimeter defense a little bit. Yeah. It'll be fun. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Yep. Be interesting to see. Okay. Oh, one comment said, Trevor Christie is the key to stopping teams with high-scoring guards. Boom. Do you worry, though, that that's... Like, that's... We're talking about a sophomore here. This is a second-year nope. player in Max Christie. That's a pretty big role. And usually, like, at either end, when you put that big of a role on a player that's at either end of their career, it's a risk, right? The Lakers sure. didn't have any 3 and D wings, and they went and got Trevor Ariza. And went, hey, Trevor Ariza oh can, be, gosh, our, can be our 3 and D wing. That's going, right? That's a big role that you put down a guy that is near the end of his career. You've got a big role here. You're going to be the best perimeter stopper on the team for a guy that's in his second year and is barely 20 years old. Does that give you any cause for concern or is your faith in Max Christie just that strong? I mean, sure, it's a risk, right? But my reaction to that is Vando, be better. Gabe Vincent, be better. Austin, I mean, I know you don't want to be in this position, but be better. Like, I mean, if... You don't have to put Max Christie in that position if Vanderbilt's a better screen navigator. If D'Lo could hold his own a little bit more defensively. And Max already showed it in smaller sample size last year. It's where it's just upping up the volume defensively. So mm-hmm. I think he's built for it. Um, the defense has never really been a big concern of mine. So I, I, I think he's up for the task personally. Uh, Jeff Harris asked uh, on my Twitter account or X account, whatever, at Trevor underscore Lane. Do you think the Lakers lack of perimeter defensive players will be an issue? We kind of just had that conversation here. Uh, He said that that the Lakers best perimeter defender right now is Vando, who's unplayable at times. And Reeves doesn't have the athleticism to guard the top guys. I don't want to rehash what we just said, but that I think that's going to be one of the biggest defensive issues for us to keep an eye on early in the season. It's how do they defend on the perimeter? Cause that was a strength of theirs last season. They were really good, particularly defending the three. Can they continue to do that? And then how much does Gabe Vincent factor into all of that? that's a name that we haven't mentioned yet or, or, or much. Yeah. Gabe Vincent has to be a factor in this as well, even though he's not a lockdown defender, can he be at least a floor raiser with his perimeter defense? That's a great point. And uh, to the Austin point, we spent in a lot of time talking about Austin's defense and video that'll come out in the tomorrow. future. So, oh, tomorrow even even better. So just mm-hmm. keep an eye on that. And we go in more detail there. Uh, Trevor, a fun comment. This uh, Somebody gives their top yeah. 10 in the Western Conference. Number one, the Denver Nuggets. Number two, the Phoenix Suns. I'm assuming this is regular season standings. Uh, three, the Lakers, four, the Kings, five, the Flippers, six, the Grizzlies, seven, the Warriors, eight, the Thunder, nine, the Wolves, 10, the Pelicans. Thoughts? 
Who's missing? Uh, no Dallas and no Dallas. That's who it is. Dallas, not even thing. in the top 10. See, I think Dallas, if they wanted to make the playoffs last year, Dallas, I think they would have made the play. Well, they were in a tough spot, but I think they would have sure. made it. There's another team missing. But Who's OKC got missing? better. A lot of these teams got better. Uh, Memphis? No, Memphis is there. Who's missing? Oh, I guess it's just these bottom four. Never mind. Yeah. So that's my issue with the West this year. I think the, I think injuries are going to be a large determining factor in who gets through in the West. Yeah. Because I look at all of these teams and I think, yes, these are all playoff teams. And the same thing with Dallas. And maybe Utah, maybe, maybe they're not there yet, but like Utah just picked up John Collins. They've got Walker Kessler. They need a point guard, but Utah could be decent as well. Let Keontae George day one be really, really good, and Utah's going to wreck somebody's Western Comp, uh, somebody's season. Right? Right? I love Utah. Will Handy, uh, Will Hardy, not Will Handy, thinking of Phil Handy, but Will Hardy's really, really good too. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a good team. That's going to be a good team. All right. Uh, Eddie Chase with a super chat said, what happens to that cap space if LeBron, should he opt out and leave the Lakers after the season? Will the Lakers have 50 million to play with? Um, that said, not exactly how that works. So let's look at the multi-year going over here to spot track. Um, Shout out to our shift. buddy Keith. Yep. Does they, they do a fantastic job with all of this salary cap info. All right. So looking at the Lakers roster here, let's say LeBron is gone. So AD is going to be at 43.2 million next season. His extension doesn't kick in. D'Lo has a player option. That's going to be a big factor in terms of how much cap space they're going to have. Let's say D'Lo opts out though, right? Just to try to figure out what their the most cap space they could potentially have uh, is going to be. Sean, the salary cap this year, what was it? 132? Seven, 32, maybe? Maybe it was 36. Look it up. I've, it's been long enough. So it's been long enough since July that I've forgotten exactly what the number was, even though I referenced it. Uh, yeah, it was 136. All right. And it's projected right now to go up by 4%. Um, that may end up being wrong, but right now, the NBA, because the TV rights deals and things are still out there, the NBA is being conservative with their projection efforts. So they're saying it's going to go up 4%. So the salary that cap would be, would be at. 141 million. Point 0.4. Yeah. Right. So um so if we have Anthony Davis 43.2 Sean, can you do the math on this as I call these out? 43.2 million, 17 million for Rui Hachimura, Austin Reeves at 12 just call it 13 million for Austin Reeves, Gabe Vincent at 11, Jalen Hutzkafino at just call it 4. And then Max Lewis at two. And then give me the total on that. That's one, two, three, four, five, six players under contract. $51.24 million. Then add six non six open roster spot charges, and that would bring them up to almost 60, 58, 60 to 60 million plus. They may have a draft pick this year. So if the salary cap is 
141 million. That's a lot of cap space. Yeah. That's a lot of cap space. The Lakers could have to potentially play with. Um, Wait, did you do that right? Did I do all right? Yeah. We can go back through it. The math? Yeah. You came out with what? 51? Yeah, let's re- let's go back through. Like, it was 100. Right. Anthony Davis is 43 by himself. Yeah. Oh, no, let's go back through that. Go back to that. Okay. All right. I was going to say, I'm well, like, wait a minute. They don't under 41.44. 40, minus so got, the 43. Minus 43 for Anthony Davis. Minus 17 minus for 17. Rui. Minus 13 for Austin. 13. Gabe Vincent is 11. Oh, you were subtracting. I get it. Yeah. Four, four for JHS. Got it. And then, two, so how yeah. much is that total in salaries? Ah, uh, well, in total in salaries, what's that? Uh, ninety million dollars in salary. Well, yeah, ninety million dollars in salary. Okay, so they'd have about fifty million or so to play with. Subtract. I get it. You were giving me a total cap space. Uh, I thought you were giving me the total amount for the salaries. So subtract oh, no. out the open roster spot charges, and then you're at forty-ish million. Basically, you'd have a max slot. Yeah. You'd have pretty pretty darn close to a max salary slot if D'Lo opted out, and if um, LeBron if LeBron were to walk away, yeah. So you could go chase a max tier free agent. Um, you'd also be below the cap, which means you wouldn't have the um, mid level exception to use. You would have the room exception, which would give you, based on next year's numbers, it would be like around eight million dollars to go spend. You would have that to go use if you wanted to. But again, that's also, you know, saying goodbye to some of the players that are on your roster right now, Torian Prince and, and players like that. Right. You wouldn't be bringing back Jackson Hayes. These aren't huge difference makers because they're minimum contracts, but Jackson Hayes uh, would be, would be gone in that scenario. You'd also be without Cam Reddish. He'd be gone as well. You also have to remember they have to pay Max Christie though. He will be a restricted free agent, similar situation to Austin Reeves, where he would only count for like two million bucks in terms of his cap hold. Um, so you could, in theory, go do your shopping and then pay Max Christie after the fact because he wouldn't have a very big cap hold on the books. You would have some wiggle room. You would have some room to play with. That's the bottom line. If LeBron were to walk away, to answer the question. Yeah. Um, this is a fun question. Sean, I'm not sure if you already schemed, but with this roster, so far, do you force drives to keep the perimeter in check or hope the team can rotate they get beyond the perimeter? So I'm going to talk more about this in a future podcast, but uh, I just want to briefly touch on it because it is a super fun topic. With Anthony Davis on the team, I think the best course of action is essentially just run everybody as much as you possibly can, run everything off the perimeter and send it to Anthony Davis. Let Anthony Davis do what he does best and be the best freaking rim protector and the best defensive Mm -hmm. player on the planet and channel into that. You do two things. One, you enable AD defensively and two, you protect the most valuable shot in basketball outside of a layup, which AD's already going to be deterring anyway. So now we're getting a lot more mid range. We're getting a lot more contested floaters, which is why the Lakers ran a ton of drop coverage last year Mm -hmm. to the, some agony of Laker fans, but it just makes sense when 80s are big. The most, the least efficient shot in basketball technically is a mid, it's a contested mid range two. 
And that's what, for the most part, depending on how high or low your drop coverage big is, that's what you're trying to force. And that's what the Lakers tried to force a ton last season. So um, I think we'll see more versatility too. And I'll talk about that in a separate video, but I think at its most groundest level, that's what I would do with the defense. Groundest? You know what I'm trying to say. See, we're not <laughs> I doing know, I get We're not, you, I get we're not doing mean. that. <laughs> I get what you mean. Darn it. <laughs> Through an empty water bottle. See? <laughs> Shoplakernation.com. Groundest level. That's not, a, that's not a URL yet. We've seen better ones. We've seen better ones or heard better ones. But um, the chat brought up the point, too. That's also assuming that Jared would in our cap space scenario. That's also assuming Jared Vanderbilt doesn't sign an extension, which, by the way, clock is ticking September 7th approaching. That's when Jared Vanderbilt can sign an extension. That, too. That's another thing that can change the cap space. That's that's for sure. That's for sure. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Laker fans love St- Stan Van Gundy. St- what? Stan? Who? Who's Stan? I can only imagine Sean Coach. Okay, my le- my English, trust me, is perfectly fine in the huddle, just fine. Um, so I've got a question that came in here to my uh, my ex account: Is Braun going to have to play center this season? What are our expectations for the center rotation if Wood and Biombo are off the table? At that point. See, do, do we see? Oh, they're talking about Stanley Johnson when they said Stan. Stanley Johnson's not better than Torian Prince. <laughs> no. no. No, no, definitely not. No. But um, the center p- position, do we expect to see LeBron having to play minutes there? I think the Lakers roster is set up for for... Um, LeBron to play a lot of minutes at power forward. Yeah. I think there might be some instances. I'll just say this. We'll definitely see it a lot less next season uh, or this upcoming season. We'll see it a lot less than we've seen it in previous years. Um, I will say this. If you strike out, who is it? Biombo and Wood? Were those the two players? Yeah, let's say you don't get Biombo, you don't get Wood. Does that result in more LeBron at center because then the guys we're talking about it's Tristan Thompson it's it's Wenyan Gabriel it's it's those it's called Usman Gruba let's go does does that does that result in more LeBron center minutes than if they had Christian Wood or Bismack Biombo oh well technically yeah It it will probably result in a little bit more but because I think that if you brought in Christian Wood or Biombo, you have more reliability there where you don't quite know what you're getting in Garuba or in uh, Colin Castleton. And that's why I would prefer, like, I would really, really hope you can get Biombo just because you that is the the safe bet in Biombo. You mm-hmm. already have, like, the, the risky guy in Jackson Hayes. Garuba is definitely going to be the risky guy. Uh, so to get you some level of, like reliability at the center spot would be huge. Um, but I do think you'll see some LeBron at the center. I just think that's how Darwin would operate. You could get super switchy. We've talked about like a Rui Braun, Torian Prince, Austin Reeves, Max Christie lineup. I don't know. We, we, we throw in like fun lineups like that out there, but it won't be nearly to the degree that we've seen in the past two seasons. 
if Wood and Biombo are off the table and they are going to fill that 14th roster spot with a center, what is the best possible outcome? Uh, Usman Garuba. And honestly, just do a training camp battle between between Castleton, Castleton. Garuba, and Hayes. Like, just let those three dudes go at it. And I and I get it. This isn't the ideal scenario, but like, I I think Castleton's a year away personally. But if we get to that scenario where you strike out on all the other previous bigs, you strike out on on uh, Christian Wood, you strike out on Biombo. At that point, maybe bring Winnie back. But like, yeah. At that point, just keep it in house. Go get Garuba and see which one of these high upside guys can potentially turn out. Would you rather bring back Wenyan or Tristan Thompson? Hmm. That's a great question. Very different player. Very different player, you know, between those two guys. But like that, those are the kind of decisions the Lakers are going to have to make. If Christian Wood and Bismack Biombo are both a no, which by the way, they're still, you know, we're waiting to see what's going to happen with Damian Lillard. Yeah. With every day that passes, we get closer to the point where the Lakers are going to just, just going to have to say, look, Christian, what do you want to do? Yeah. Our offer is what our offer is. It's a veteran minimum that can't change. We know you've got your eye on Miami and you're waiting to see if a roster spot opens up there, but we need somebody to come into camp and we're not there yet, but we're close. We're yeah, we're getting close. I mean, we're a week, maybe two away from hey, we we need to know or we're moving on. <laughs> Sean, the tree doesn't fall far from the grape. <laughs> they're they're coming up with Seanisms. Oh man. Or is that something you said? No, no, that is not something I said. <laughs> <laughs> The, the fact that like that is something believable that I could possibly say is uh, accurate. Very concerning. Yeah. <laughs> D Prince said, this is Damon Harden's fault. They stale everything, a.k.a. the months the NBA stood still. Happened Kevin Durant did it last year. Yeah. Kevin Durant shut down free agency for over a month. That, this is why the Patrick Beverly trade happened in the middle of August last year because Kevin Durant shut down the league with his trade request. Um, so this is not new. And most teams have done all of their business already. So at least that's been the case here. But yes, right now, the business that is still left to get done has mostly been put on hold with the Damian Lillard and Harden, especially from the Lakers' perspective, because it's Christian Wood they're waiting on. Josh with the super chat says, "Do you think the Lakers beat the Nuggets this year?" Uh, I think the Lakers are more equipped to beat the Nuggets uh, this year. I think the Lakers beat the Nuggets opening night. Had a baby. I think the Lakers beat the Nuggets opening night. Now, do they meet beat the Lake, beat the Nuggets um, in the playoffs if they see them? I don't know, but I I think the Western Conference is so ridiculously loaded that if you're focusing on one team, you're doing it wrong. If you're focusing on Denver only, there's sure. a decent chance that it's not Denver that you see in the postseason. We've had yeah. five straight years of a new champion year after year after year. If you're focusing on Denver and only Denver, you're, you're going to miss something. You're going to miss a lot because what's going to happen is you're going to look up and suddenly you're in the playoffs and it's not Denver. Um, but 
Can the Lakers beat Denver this year? Sure. I, I think they definitely can. I think Denver was incredible with their shot making last year. Insane. Like, I mean, Aaron Gordon hitting shots, right? Like the guys that you want taking shots, he knocking down shots. Um, and to their credit, they stepped up. They stepped up in a big, big way. This is not me saying, oh, it was a fluke or anything like that. No, they performed extremely well. I don't know if that's sustainable long-term. We'll find out. But their shot-making was fantastic last season, and that um, allowed them to to win the championship despite their defense not being necessarily the best defense out there. But, um, you know, they were certainly a worthy champion, and I think the Lakers are going to give them a good run this year. So somebody makes a great point talking about Sacramento, right? Talk about their their roster situation. And I'm not even going to talk about Sacramento, but this brings me to a team in the Easter Conference. And this might be a pipe dream because I think they just extended them last year. But I've had my eyes. I, I would love Nick Richards on this team, man. They have Ooh. a ton of bigs now. They just re-signed P.J. Washington. They mm-hmm. have. They spent a lottery pick on Mark Williams last year. They spent another pick on James Niaji this year. If there was any possible way that we can get Nick Richards to the Lakers, I don't know if he's clutch. Maybe that would help, but that would be so freaking What are you good, willing man. to give up to get him? Uh, he's on like a $5 million contract. I think that's right. Hold on, let me see. Nick Richards. Uh, but okay, let's just say it's $5 million. I mean, mm. yeah, he's on a three-year, $15 million contract with the Hornets. He was the 42nd pick in the 2020 draft. So he's going to make about $5 million. Hmm. Last season, 6.4 rebounds, 1.1 blocks, 8.2 points in 18.7 minutes. He's just like the prototype. He's the... He's if 25. this was 2005, he would be a a borderline all-star. He would oh, definitely be a really yeah, good starter. He's not a second. He's not going in the second round in 2005. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, so what would you be? Cause the Hornets aren't going to just, you know, Mitch Kupchak isn't just going to say, Hey, for old time's sake, here you go. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. Another favor, buddy. I mean, okay. Me, all seriousness. Me, if it look, I know they just drafted him with the 17th pick. If you had to sacrifice Jalen Hood Scafino to get Nick Richards, nah. I thought far. about Max Lewis. Max Lewis, Max sure. Lewis? Like Max Lewis Cam Reddish. Okay. Would the, the Hornets bite on that? We have to throw on like a second. <laughs> Two seconds. Whatever amount of seconds you want. And Cam Reddish and Max Lewis, give me Nick Richards. <laughs> the people are not happy about Cam going out. <laughs> as soon as I said Cam, Cam uh, but that's, Reddish. That's part of the difficulty, though, of trying to like, be, like, obviously, we know a trade like this, it can't happen until after December 15th anyway with players yeah. that are, um, because players sign deals this summer. So they're not trade eligible until December 15th. But, but that being said, we look at every single player. And we're like, oh, this guy's going to be great. Every guy's going to hit their their ceiling. So who on this roster do you want to trade away? Nobody. Because we got to see what these guys have, right? Yeah. Yeah, I see that. Wait, yeah, they pay me. I don't understand paying the Richards this summer then. <laughs> I don't get it. Why? 
because you have three other centers on your roster. You just paid PJ. You spent the 31st pick on a dude, uh, James Neonji. You spent a lottery pick on Mark Williams last year. Well, I mean, what the Hornets are mostly an asset acquisition mode, right? So sure. even if you've got other centers on the roster, if you know Nick Richards is, is a good player and you know on a three-year, $15 million contract, he's got positive value and you can recoup something for him, that's better than letting him walk away for nothing, right? <laughs> and they have Kai Jones. And they have Kai Jones, yep. And they have Kai yeah. Jones. They got to trade one of those bigs. And uh, Mitch, just go ahead and fork Nick Richards over for a second round pick. We'll, we'll send you two second round picks for your trouble. Ooh, two second rounders. Wow. Just, just, just to be nice. Just be nice. Out of the kindness of our hearts. Moving that needle. Moving that needle. I like it. I like it. All right. We'll do one more question. This one's coming in uh, from X. And this is a tough question, Sean. Oh, boy. If. Vando refuses an extension. You can't get an extension done. Do you have to consider trading him, using him as a trade chip by the trade deadline if you're the Lakers? He would hit free agency next summer if after September 7th, the Lakers don't get an extension done with Jared Vanderbilt. This is very much the like dark timeline because I don't think, I, if I'm being completely honest, I don't think that would happen. I don't think Vando would just straight up say, yeah, no, I'm like, no, thank you. But in this scenario, then I think, yeah, you have to. I think what, you... what if he said, like, the most he can get is four years, 75 million? I don't think he should get four years, 75 million. What if he says, I want four years, 75 million? Otherwise, I'm just going to wait till next summer because I want to bet on myself. I don't know if this is good podcasting or not. I don't want to make you mad, though. So I was going to, I was going to, I was going to take my webcam. My door is right here. I would have opened my door and waved goodbye. <laughs> and close the door right back. That is exactly what I would have done, but that's terrible podcasting, so I won't do it. But that's exactly what I would do to Vando. You would just say, okay, take the take the risk. But uh, again, if you're the Lakers, you're potentially losing a young player next summer. You would, uh, you would hit free agency. Now, again, this is an extreme example. I would imagine if the Lakers put a deal on the table somewhere around Rui money, he'd probably take it. I would have to imagine, right? That's that's my guess. Maybe, though, Vando is suddenly a 40% corner three shooter, and he knows that's going to increase his value a ton, and he says, I'm going to wait till free agency next year. If you're the sure. Lakers, I don't know that you have to trade him because you can always try to – you'll have his bird rights right next summer, but it's a little scary when you have a guy that's of his caliber, potentially, that has, has the upside that he does. You talked about him potentially being the guy that could surprise people, could exceed expectations the most. It's a little unnerving. If you have a guy like that, that is potentially a key piece of your team moving forward, that's going to hit free agency. And so I think it's something you have to consider. You have to at least cons be open to the idea, even if uh, it wouldn't be ideal, I think, to have to move on from Vando. I think Vando could be a long-term Laker. I just think that there is a point in contract negotiations where there is a number that a player or an asset gets to where it's like, yeah, I'd rather just cut my losses than have you under a sure. bad contract. Yes. And again, I, I love it. Is this comments talking about like, what am I talking about? Vando and AD made their defense lead. Yes, they did. 
I'm not paying current version of Vando 20 plus million dollars a year. I don't care because to be quite transparent, you could, you could go get somewhat close to what Vando provides for you at way better, like just cost to your team. Okay. So what's, what's the number? What's the walk away number? That number, like anything, when we start talking, what's, what's, what's where we getting right now? 17? 18? Yeah. yeah. Rui's, I think he started at like 15, but he, he got what, three years, 51 million? Sure. So like 18 plus, I'm, I'm just saying, yeah. No. So if Vando said three years, 51 million, you're, you're doing that. I'm not doing that right now. I'll do that at the end of the season. If like, like you said, like, Hey, X, Y, Z pans out. That's yeah. just such a, that's a, such a high gamble. And maybe the Lakers internally know mm-hmm. that Vando is going to be a 45% corner three point shooter next year or something insane like that to where they want to get the deal done now. But like, I don't know, like the most I feel comfortable with right now uh-huh. is like three years. 42-ish million dollars. That is the most that I'm for sure comfortable with. So 14-ish per year. And if I'm Vando or like Bagsky says three years, 36 million. If I'm Vando, I'm not taking that. You know why? And, and I don't blame Cause, you. Because that's, can... that's the MLE. That's MLE money. Every Just about every team can offer you that with the exception of a few. You can get and that from a lot of teams. You don't have to just rely on cap space teams to get that. And I think that's very reasonable. That that That's probably the floor for what he can get if he's the defensive player we think he is. So that's where I think you, you have to come up a little bit if you're the Lakers. Like, it's got to be above MLE money. So somewhere and north of 12 per year, you need to hit. I hit that. I said 342. No, no, yeah, you did. You did. You're getting, oh. you're getting up there. I'm talking about the 336. Oh, but like... If I'm Vando, I don't blame you for like if like right now the Lakers said, "Hey, three for thirty-six. I'm if I'm Vando, I'm also probably saying no because as long as I do my part and I ball the heck out next year, I can get mm-hmm. more than that, and then we can get into that Ruby conversation or potentially more, right? So it's just like right now, am I offering Ruby? I mean, excuse me, Vando, any more than that? The answer is probably no. Uh, go ahead. I was just saying, I'll tell you this, you know, I, and I am in agreement with you. Like, I know you don't want to overpay, but I can say this too. Cap space in today's NBA. It's overrated. Cap space is overrated. Now players aren't moving with cap space. Players are signing contracts and they're getting traded. I think the true roster flexibility in today's NBA, it's having good players on reasonable contracts that are big enough to where you could stack up a few of them and go make a big move. That's how you make big moves in today's NBA. It's not save cap space. And then you're, and then, you know, Carmelo Anthony is going to go on a tour and he's going to go to a bunch of different cities and everybody's going to pitch him on coming to their city and playing sure. for them. And then he's going to make a decision. That's not the way the NBA works anymore for most mm-hmm. players. Right. So mm-hmm. I think that if you can do it, well, I think what the Lakers have done so far with Rui, with Austin, with D'Lo, with all these guys, this is, has been really smart because you've got them on good 
mid-range deals. I think you add Vando into that mix, and I don't think you really hurt your flexibility. Now, I agree with you that there is a limit. and There has to be a limit where you're worried about that flipping into being a bad contract. But I think signing Vando to an extension is the way to go because I think that actually increases your flexibility into the future, even though based on the old way of thinking in the NBA, it wouldn't because you're chewing up potential cap space. The way the NBA works now, I think having guys like Vando under contract actually increases your future flexibility. To kind of put a pretty bow on this conversation, Vando says right now, or September 7th, in order to keep me around, you have to give me four year $75 million right now. Are you doing it? No. Because again, yeah, that again, you have to have that point. Otherwise, it flips to being a bad contract potentially, and then you know, hey, that that's where you just say, you know what? If you shoot forty percent from deep for the season, if you navigate screens, if you are hey, able to finish the rim, if you're able to do these things, then we'll talk for your seventy-five million. Very that, easily could play himself point. into that. Yeah, could he could? could. And that's why, could. if I'm Bando, I wouldn't want to do a deal either, unless. That's what I'm getting. So yeah. it's weird because I think both sides have incentive to get it done now. And I also think at the same time, both sides have some incentive to just wait this thing out. But mm-hmm. we'll, it'll be interesting to see. I hope it gets done. I hope it gets done at a reasonable number. I hope it gets done. This one, what happened to Boogie and Jalil Okafor? They're not in the league. What happened? What happened? They're, they're not in the league right now. Um like, I know a lot of people go to Boogie because he's a big name, and Jalil Okafor is as well. I was hoping for big things out of Jalil Okafor, but, I mean, the, the modern game just didn't really fit his play style. And Boogie, he's not going to defend anybody. That's the, the problem. And he's not like a great, he can occasionally shoot a three, but he's not a great three-point shooter. Yeah. So, I, I just, I think all of those things added up to you know, where they're, where they're at right now, which is not in the league at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well. Hour and 15 minutes show on September. In September. In, in September. Yep. In September. That's right. Always plenty of Lakers basketball to talk. One of the great things about this team, but I want to thank everybody for coming in and joining us. Those of you over on the YouTube channel, make sure you hit the like button on this video. Don't forget to subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications as well. Then over on the podcast side, can help us out a lot. Give us the five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Sure to appreciate that. Thank you guys for coming in. Um, Here we are, beginning of September. We're counting down to preseason. We're almost there where the Lakers are going to be back in training camp, but I know there's a lot going on in the sports world right now. Appreciate all of you coming in and hanging out with us while we talk some Lakers basketball. Till next time, everybody. See ya, and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.